You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. Here are your hosts, Tyler and Curtis. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast. I'm your host, Tyler, and back with me today... Now officially as a working man is my co-host Curtis, who is having a little bit of technical difficulties on his end today. His Wi-Fi is not working. We tried our best to troubleshoot it, but it's just not happening today. Just not happening. So he's going to be calling in today here in a few minutes instead of recording from his computer. So if the audio on his end sounds a little different today, that's why. But this is a one-time thing. His girlfriend is the tech-savvy one, so I think she's going to have to come home and fix in a little bit, but we couldn't delay this show any longer. We put it off. We were going to do this earlier in the week, so we got to get to it today. So I promise you, one-time thing, we'll get this fixed for our next show next week. But as for our show today, as promised earlier in the week, it is time for our annual Bold Predictions episode. This is always a fun one to do, and with all the extremely bold predictions that you guys sent in this year... It doesn't look to be any different this time around. And and the idea behind this episode is pretty simple. We're going to read a bold prediction. You guys sent a bunch of them in. We're going to read them one by one. And then we will rate each one on a scale of 1 to 10 based on just how bold we think that prediction is. Basically, it comes down to how likely or unlikely do we think that prediction is to come true. That's really what it comes down to. So 10 would be no way in hell we see it happening. One would be let's go ahead and put our money on it happening right now. And we will get to all of those bold predictions here in just a moment. But before we get started here and move in that direction, I do want to just quickly remind you guys about our very good friends at Alumni Hall. The countdown to kickoff, guys, it's still on technically, but... We're running out of time. We've got a week left before kickoff. I guess just a slight bit more than a week left before kickoff of the 2022 college football season, which is music to my ears. It's music to your ears. It's music to all of our ears. This is the moment we have been waiting on. This is what we all live for. But as the countdown to kickoff continues to tick further and further down, that means you only have a short amount of time left to take advantage of our 15% off promo code to Alumni Hall. All you have to do is use the promo code GLORYUGA, no spaces, and you get 15% off your entire purchase, and that's in-store and online. This code is good all the way through kickoff on September 3rd. So on September 3rd, At 3.30 p.m., it goes dark. So make sure, guys, if you have not already, do yourself a favor, save yourself some money, and get some awesome Georgia gear while you're at it. Get your game day gear. It's like Christmas in August for a Georgia football fan. You guys know what I'm talking about. I get giddy with excitement when I'm buying my new game day gear for the coming season. And Alumni Hall, man, they always have me covered and they've got you guys covered as well. Whatever your preference is, whatever style you like, whatever brand you like, trust me, they've got it. They've got Nike. They've got Nike Golf. They've got Peter Millar. They've got Johnny O, which you guys know I've been talking them up for a while now. I love Johnny O. They've got Cutter and Buck. They've got Southern Tide. They've got polos, they've got t-shirts, they've got hoodies, they've got hats, they've got tailgate gear, they've got stuff for your home, anything and everything you need, stuff for your car, you gotta let everybody know you're going to the Georgia game. Anything and everything that you need, Georgia football related, Georgia Bulldog related, trust me, Alumni Hall is your go-to place. It is where the Bulldog shop. 
So again, use that promo code, help yourself out. It's Glory UGA, no spaces for 15% off your entire purchase now through September 3rd. But all right, I've got Curtis here on the line. And Curtis, we are going to start with a bang today, my friend. We're coming out of the gates hot for our first prediction. We are just going to dive right into the deep end, man. And Garrett is predicting that Georgia goes back-to-back, winning our second consecutive college football playoff national championship. How bold is it to claim that Georgia will go back-to-back this season? I mean, it's bold, yes, but I don't think it's out of the realm bold. I mean, realistically, even though a lot of the prognosticators have picked us to lose a couple games in regular season, I easily could see us going into SEC championship game undefeated. And as we've seen, even if you lose that game, there's a way to get in. And uh, once you're in the tournament, anything can really happen. Yeah, definitely. Anything can happen once you get in there. I mean, I, I've said it all off season. I think we are one of three teams that can win the national title this year. I truly believe there's only three teams that can win. I think it's Georgia. I think it's Ohio State. I think it's Alabama. Was, is, there, is there anyone else you would add into that, Curse? I don't think we've had a chance to talk about that together on the show. Would you add anyone else into that top tier? I'm not ready to. I mean, there a lot. there's some good teams out there, but I don't see anyone that's better than – or is a fourth to that yet. Yeah, you've seen Mitch uh, Clemson a lot too, saying they'll bounce back. But, I mean, they'll have a good defense, yes, but they, they have a lot, of, um, a lot of deficiencies across the board. Well, I mean, what I've been saying, Curtis, offensively for Clemson, I cannot unsee what I saw last year. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, especially now losing Tony Ella and Venables both, that's going right. to be a lot to replace. This is a program that's been built on continuity, right? Continuity coaching staff has been a big key, a big ingredient to their success over the years. And this is the first time, really, since the very, very early years of the Dabo Swinney tenure there in Clemson that they've had to deal with that kind of turnover. Yeah, I know they promoted from within, but we're talking about promoting guys who have never called plays before. And that's... That's interesting. We'll see how that works out for them. So I don't. Th- I think Clemson's on the fringe of that group. I just don't see them as a true national title contender because, again, offensively, I don't believe it. But if DJ Uyunglele, I mean, he was the worst quarterback in the ACC last year, Curtis. Like statistically, and when you watched him, he was the worst quarterback in the ACC. And that's that's tough, man. And when, I know he's probably going to be improved this year, but to just expect them to just be magically what they were under Deshaun Watson, what they were under Trevor Lawrence offensively, I just don't see that happening. And if, if Uyunglele is not the guy, yeah, I know K Club makes a five-star dude, but I mean, Curtis, do you want to go into a, a season with national title aspirations relying on a true freshman to win you that title? No, not at all. That does not happen. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So – I think they're on the fringe there, but I, I don't have them in that group. So, yes, if Georgia is one of three teams that I think can win a national title this year, then absolutely this is not insanely bold. I, I would say a five. Okay, I, I'm not, I'll go that. I think if, if you're in that mix there, I'm not going to say it's – I guess it's a 50-50 shot. I, I mean, I, I don't know if that's how you would phrase it, but we're starting the conversation. The problem for us that, that Ohio State does not have is that we have Alabama in our own conference. So if we trip up somewhere along the way in the regular season, God forbid, which is – reasonable that could happen and then you got Alabama potentially likely in the SEC championship game you lose that game you're probably not getting in we've seen that story before Curtis we saw that in 2018 we saw it in 2019 Ohio State doesn't have that problem they can lose a game in the regular season and beat whoever whether it's Wisconsin Iowa Nebraska Minnesota whoever is going to be out of the the Big Ten West win that game and find themselves in college playoff they had the luxury of doing that we do not so Maybe, maybe I would say it's a six because of that. Our path is just a little bit more difficult than a team like Ohio State to get there. But I, I would say five or six. Let's go with six just because we played in the SEC and have Bama potentially in the SEC championship game. But I don't think it's out of the questions whatsoever. I know we lost some guys, but, man, like we pump up our recruiting for a reason because players matter. Players are the most important ingredient for success. Not the only one, but the most important. And, yes, we lost some guys, but we have plenty of players that are ready to step up and fill those voids. The thing is the national media who votes on these things just – don't really know who those guys are yet. You and I have ideas, and our listeners out there know, but everyone else doesn't know yet, but they will pretty soon here. All right, next one, Curtis. On this, I don't want to say it's the other end of the spectrum, but kind of, I guess, A-Train 10 is predicting that Georgia goes 10-2 and two in the regular season. How bold is that? Um, I think that is actually pretty bold. Um, I mean, if you watch ESPN or SEC Network, you don't think it's that bold. But when you get down to it, um, looking at the schedule and the roster of all the teams that we face, um, you it's hard to see it. I mean, I know in the past when we've lost games like, say, South Carolina, 
um, Vanderbilt and before, but it it, it kind of looks like you know maybe this team or the program in general has hopefully gotten past that. And when you look at it, it's gonna be hard to compete when we have all the Jimmy and the Joes right now. Um, the two toughest or three toughest games we'll see are South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky being floated. Um, but realistically, I think all three games are extremely winnable. Um, I, I would be shocked if we lost one out of those three, especially two out of the three. Yeah, I mean, two losses, man. I just I don't see it, dude. I, I like where are those losses? Could we trip up and lose a game? That is certainly reasonable. If somebody said we're going eleven and one. I'd say yeah, that's probably like a a two or a three on the boldness meter. I don't think that's all that bold whatsoever. But ten and two, I, I don't know if I'm ready to go there, man. I, occur. What do you think? What is more likely? Georgia goes back to back, or we go ten and two in the regular season? I think it's more likely to go back to back. Like we said, I think our schedule is very winnable. And if we're able to go into the SEC championship game undefeated, lose Alabama, but still get in, then you have a chance to make anything happen. But I just, I I know we lost two games two years ago, but there was, those were two superior that was a COVID teams. Year. Come on, man. That, yeah, yeah, and those were two really good teams while we were dealing with a lot at the time. And yeah. I think that it, it, I just don't see it. Yeah, I, I'm with you here. I think we're just the talent gap is too big. Like the ta- like, it's not unreasonable to say that one team somewhere on the schedule can trip you up and overcome the talent gap. But for that to happen twice, I, I don't know, man. You kind of got to have like issues in the coaching staff, and I don't think we have those kind of issues. Now, injuries, you know, that's that's the, the great equalizer. That could change. And you, you mentioned what happened in, in 2020. That could happen again. I knock on wood, hope it doesn't happen. That's possible. But if we're assuming everyone stays relatively healthy on this team, I just don't know where those losses are. I do think there are some potential spots we could trip up. I think Oregon's going to be, we'll talk about this more next week. I think this is that's going to be a, a closer game than people think. Um, I think that you mentioned South Carolina. I think we're going to be fine against South Carolina, but it's still a tough spot. Uh, I think Mississippi State's a team that not enough people are talking about. Uh, at Kentucky, Tennessee at home, those are, those are tricky spots potentially. But Curtis, the thing is, we are better than every one of those teams. Could we lose? Sure, but we should beat every team. There are no toss-up games on our schedule. Like coming in this season, like when you're going down the, the helmet schedule, making your picks, and you go, okay, win, loss, toss up. We don't have any toss ups. We just have wins. Doesn't mean we're going to end up winning them all. When you're doing predictions, I can't sit here and predict that we're going to lose two games. So I think this is pretty bold. I do. I agree with you. I think it's more likely that we go back to back with the national title again than lose two games in the regular season. I'm going to go. I'm going to go eight. I, I just. I'm with you. I don't see this happening. One. One loss is certainly reasonable. Two losses with this schedule. I think that'd be a, I don't want to say a monumental failure, but that would be a failure of a season, wouldn't it? I would be extremely disappointed if that's the case. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you would have to be. Again, I'm not saying that if we win the national, if we don't win the national title, it's not necessarily a disappointment, although some people make that argument, and I would listen to it. But 10-2 and in the regular season, that's certainly a disappointment. All right, moving on here, Curtis. Now, this is an interesting one, and this is from our friend Sam Morales, who runs the All-CFB page on Instagram and on Twitter as well. Actually, he runs a couple of different things. All baseballs, uh, UGAs, all UGA accounts. So a ton of stuff for you guys to follow out there. Uh, and Sam does a great job. But he is predicting that Georgia wins every regular season game by double digits, Curtis. So he's taking it one step further going back to back. He says we're going to win every regular season game by double digits. I actually don't think that that's that bold. Um, I know our defense is extremely young, or not extremely young, but they are young and inexperienced. But outside of Tennessee, show me a team that can really score with us um, in the regular season is my biggest thing. And the reason why I don't think it's that bold is outside of Tennessee, I don't see anyone that can hang with us offensively. Like, what about Oregon week down. one? The unknown, not really knowing exactly how Kenny Dillingham is going to call a game, never called plays before. Is- I we have a young I, defense, a lot of guys in their first real action. I think my thing is, is the Bo Nix factor. I mean, people think there. he's going to be someone he hasn't been, but we know who he's been the last three years. Um, if it was a quarterback I was more afraid of that can make some things happen, then yes. But I just Bo Nix doesn't scare me. No, he does not Especially scare me. They're, they're well, it, if they use him in the run game, he becomes scarier. But yeah. well, they use him like that, we don't know. I went back and looked this up. So we have one of our last 20 regular season games that we've won. Now there are some losses thrown in there, a couple of losses, but of our last 20 wins in the regular season, we have won 18 of them by double digits, Curtis, 18 of our last 20 wins going back a couple of seasons in the regular season, at least. So that's, um, that's a lot of wins by double digits. So I know this season defensively, we have some guys that we've lost, 
I know there are some questions, some very reasonable questions in the front seven, at cornerback. I get all of that. But if you look at the schedule, we're going to go into every game, every single game as the favorite. Most of these games, a two-score favorite. I mean, right now we're a 17, 18-point favorite, depending on what sportsbook you look at, against Oregon here next weekend. I think that's a little aggressive, but that's going to be the expectation. Going to all these games, we're going to be double-digit favorites. I don't think there's any game on the schedule right now. If, you, if they were, and they there are there are lines out there for most of these games. There's not a game out there that we're not going to be a double-digit favorite if we if they handicap them right now. And I think it's more likely than not that we do win all those games by double digits. Now, the winning every regular season game, I think that's the trickier part. I think the games that we win, we'll probably win them by double digits. But are we going to go undefeated the regular season? I think that's what makes us a little bit more bold. So I'm going to go with a – I'm going to go with a six on this. What did you say you were going with, Curtis? I'd probably sit at a three or four. Okay, so we're pretty much on the right on the same page. So yeah, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I know that. Like it sounds crazy. Hey, you're you're going to feed and you're going to win every game by double digits, but that's kind of what we did last year. You know, other than the Clemson game, we, we win that game ten three, and then we reel off eleven or yeah, eleven more wins in a row after that, and they're all by double digits. So it's not unprecedented, and I think that this team has the capability, especially with what we're bringing back offensively. I think it has a chance to be one of the best, if not the best, Georgia offenses in history. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's something that we could certainly do. Um, all right, let's move on here, Curtis. This is from the Fresh IRC podcast. Appreciate it, guys. Um, and they're predicting that Georgia is going to face Alabama in the SEC championship game. The dogs are going to win the SEC, but Ohio State wins the national title. So that's like a, a three-parter here, Curtis. Let's take them all together. How bold is that? Georgia versus Alabama in the, in the title game. In the, not in, in the SEC title game, Georgia wins the SEC, but Ohio State ultimately ends up winning the national title. I think it's bold on the SEC championship game. Um, I just – I think the winning it um, is going to be the most bold thing. And I, I can, you know, I, as good as I think Ohio State is, I think that's kind of bold. Um, I've seen a lot of people picking Ohio State, and I know it's a hot pick, especially offensively with C.J. Stroud. And um, the receiver, but defensively, they're just, you know, that's always been their MO, though, is as good as their offenses, they've always had smothering defenses, especially lockdown DBs. And I don't know if I have them at that level this year. I mean, through the last four years, Curtis, they've been average at best often or defensively. In 2019, they were number one in the country. They were really, really good. But through the last four years, they have not been good on defense. And I know Jim Knowles, everyone's excited about him coming coming into Ohio State. He's going to turn things around right away. Do you see that happening in year one, Curse? Like, how much of an impact is he going to have in year one? Still a lot of the same players. Yeah, that's the thing. I think it's the players-wise um, that once they lost, especially the defensive line domination they had, they took a real big step back. Yeah. Look, I, I, and I'm high on Ohio State. I think they are one of the three teams that can win the national title. But I do like my question about Ohio State. I have no questions offensively other than maybe running back depth. But they're at the top of the, the running back depth chart. They're so good. But defensively, there are – I mean, there's nothing but questions defensively. I know people have a lot of faith in Jim Knowles, and he really has been great wherever he's been. He took a, a defense at Oklahoma State that that was a liability. I mean, that was a, that was a heavily offensive-driven team for years and years under Mike Gundy. And they won in spite of their defense. And then last year, they won in spite of their offense. Their offense was not good last year. But defensively, they were top five in the country. They were really, really good. So he is a very good defense coordinator. And he will get that defense on the right track. I just don't know if it's going to be this season. I think they will be improved. But how much remains to be seen? If they're inside the top 20 defensively, I think they very well could win the national title. I just don't know if I see that. That's a pretty big jump for them to make that jump. We'll see. Um, But yeah, I mean, Georgia versus Alabama in the SEC title game, I think that's, I mean, that's not crazy at all i think that's likely right now georgia winning the sec that becomes more bold if you listen to the national prognosticators out there and then ohio state wins and that and that's probably the boldest of them all i'm gonna say all in all curtis uh what number did you go with did you give me a number i'm gonna go with the eight i'm gonna go with a seven because i'm not gonna go any higher than that because i did say ohio state's one of the three teams i think can win the national title but it's just like the trifecta it's like this is like a parlay for all of them to hit that's that's asking a lot uh, i'll go with a seven on that one Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. 
For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, moving along here, Curtis. So we know that last year we had five first-round draft picks, all from the defensive side of the ball. We set a NFL draft record for total number of players drafted in a single draft, edging out LSU from back in, in 2019. Alexander is going to go back to the well here. Alexander, long-time listener. Appreciate you, man. And Alexander is predicting that Georgia will have five more first-round picks in the 2023 NFL draft. Curtis, I don't know about this one. How bold is that in your mind? Um, I'm going to go minimum eight. Um I just don't. Let's count them up, Curtis. Who are the guys that are like first-round potential type guys? Well, I think Jalen Carter, of course. For sure. Broderick Jones, Um, I think could be. Broderick Jones, Warren McClendon, Nolan Smith. Nolan could if he he has a bigger year in terms of rushing the passer. Keely, that's five. Yeah. Anybody else? I mean, not really. I mean, I mean, the thing is, running back now, you're not really seeing seeing many taken in the first round. And then I think Kenny's going to have a great year for us. I think McIntosh is going to have a great year, but enough to get him in the first round? I don't know. No, not with, like, the way it's been drafted the last year. I mean, I think it's been the last two or three years, really, the only first-round pick has been Najee, and that was at the end of the first round. Yeah. And he had an amazing, you know, year and a half. Clyde uh, Edwards-Alaire in, what was it, the 2019 draft? It was a Taylor yeah, right first round. Yeah. Yeah, I thought they might go with Swift, but they went with Edwards Alaire. Um, okay, here let me throw these at you: Darnell Washington, Arik Gilbert. They could. I think, think Arik has either... more of a chance because he's more of an NFL yeah. type guy. I, I agree, but I think if either of them, it would be more of like a Trayvon Walker, though, where they just blew it out of the park at the um, combine too. Oh, really, was the difference maker. Christmas, gonna. I mean, he's not a first round guy, right? No. no. Yeah. Um. All right, Zion Logue. If he has a big year at even some tackle, we haven't seen that from so. him though. Yeah, we haven't seen it from him. Um, Robert Beal, I just he he's not fast enough or strong enough realistically to, to be that first round pick. He's not a first round guy. Wise, yeah, yeah um, he's not a first round guy. And outside yeah, I think, that, I think I think it's maybe six or seven guys that could potentially get drafted in the first round, and so there's not much margin for error there. You know what I mean? Like if some of those guys, yeah, and, I, lose, th- they and need. I think that's what I'm think. Why I say that is that we have, you know, as you said, like seven or eight guys that could be it, but you've got to hit on that almost every single one of them to be there. Like the the surefire first round draft picks, I would say, are Jalen Carter, probably Keeley. Who else is a surefire? I mean, Broderick could be that guy, but he hasn't been a full-time starter. I can't say that for sure. He's not a surefire guy. I think he could be, but can't guarantee that. McClendon, maybe, but I don't think he's a surefire first-rounder. Something like two surefire first-round draft picks. And that means three guys, at least three guys, are going to have to have big years to find themselves, which is not impossible. But, yeah, I don't know, that's that's tough. I'm going to go I'm gonna go with a nine. What are you going with? I went with an eight. You going with an eight there? Okay, I'm going with an eight. All right, let's move on to the next one here, Curtis. So Randy says at least one of the three consensus playoff teams, so that's, of course, Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, going back to the well here, at least one of those three consensus playoff teams will not make the college football playoff. How bold is that? Um, I'm actually going to go with the three, and I think the only reason I'm going there is because if any one of the three that was going to miss it would be us. and. I think it's always a possibility if you see us, as you mentioned, and as we've seen in the past, if we were to slip up even once in the regular season and then lose to Bama in the SEC championship game, we're out. Um, doesn't yes, matter. We saw in 2018, we saw in 2019. 
yeah, it doesn't matter if you're still one of the three best teams you're out. And so I think that it's bold if you're thinking Alabama or Ohio State, but it's it's a three or four or five, like three to five range if you're really looking at us. Even though I don't think it happens, but as we've seen, it can. Yeah, I think Ohio State's the closest to a shoe-in here. And I don't want to say a shoe-in, but the closest to it because they don't have either Georgia or Bama to face off against each other in, the, in their title game. So if they can go 11 and one in the regular season, which I think is almost, you can't ever say anything's a certainty, but that's a strong likelihood in my opinion. They're in might not be a, a one or two seat, but they're in Georgia, Alabama, you know, they got a much tougher test. Both teams do in the SEC title game. So it's not unreasonable. The loser of that game, if they trip up somewhere along the way in the, in the regular season, which it is the SEC after all that they'd be left out. Cause then we, like you said, we've seen that 2018, 2019. I think we were better than Oklahoma both those years, but because our path, was more difficult, and we had the unfortunate reality of playing in the SEC and having to play a real team in the uh, SEC championship game. We got screwed there, and it is what it is. We didn't win the games, and they I guess they won their little sisters' game. That's fine, but yeah, um, yeah, I don't think this is that bold. I'm gonna go with a three. I'm with you. I'm gonna go with a three here. I just yeah, I think one of those teams probably will get left out. All right, next one here, Curtis Dalton says that Jalen Carter wins the Chuck Bednarik Award at the end of the season. He knows that Will Anderson is the most obvious pick, but give me Jalen Carter. Curtis, how bold is that one? Boldness-wise, I mean, I think a two or three, realistically. I mean, the the fact is Jalen Carter has all the tools to win it. But as mentioned, Will Anderson is going to be a hard person to stop from doing it. But we've seen it so many times in the years past where – we know that they're the best player, but coming into the year, teams are going to do everything they can in the game plan. Where if they get beat by someone else, they'll take it, but they're not going to let that one person beat them. But you could also say that with Jalen Carter. Right. But I think it's, a, in my opinion, a two or three boldness because he has all the tools to win it. But can teams slow down Will Anderson enough for him not to win it? I, that's the bold part. I think this is very bold. Uh, Jalen Carter, I'm, I would listen to the argument that Jalen Carter is – as good or better at what he does at his position than what Will Anderson is. And Will Anderson's a fantastic player. These are both elite first-round guys, surefire first-round guys if they stay healthy. The problem for Jalen Carter in terms of winning the Chuck Bednarik Award, and those of you who aren't exactly familiar with that award, that's given annually to the best defensive player in the country. The problem for Jalen is that Anderson plays a position where he racks up stats. And that's why defensive players don't ever win the Heisman Trophy or, or and why they're not really ever in the conversation because they're – Defensive positions are not as stat-driven as offense. And the fact is, a lot of these voters, they're seduced by stats because they don't really understand what they're watching if they can't see stats and read those numbers. That's why. I mean, that is why. But Will Anderson has a couple things going for him. Number one, the height from last year, right? And Jalen Carter, people know who Jalen Carter is. He's not an unknown at all. But he's not known on the level of Will Anderson. Is that fair, Curtis? Yeah, I mean, that's the thing you saw it all the time where teams were like, it wasn't until they were watching film on Georgia and they were like, oh, wait, right. the, the best player on defense isn't even starting. But they yeah, all these film. NFL draft guys, you know, they were preparing for the NFL draft and doing all their coverage. Like, oh, but this guy, man, I watched, I was watching Georgia and I saw this guy. I'm like, yeah, dude, we've known that for a couple of years now. Like, welcome to the party. So his name is getting out more, but he's certainly not as mainstream of a name as Will Anderson. He's just not. And I, I, I hate that he's not, but he's not. Doesn't mean he's not a better player at his job, but he's just not the name guy. So that's the first thing Will Anderson has going for him. And then he's going to rack up a ton of sacks and a ton of TFLs because that's what that position does more so than what Jalen Carter does playing on the interior of our defensive line. He will get some TFLs. He's the most disruptive and explosive defensive tire that we've had in a couple of years. He will put up better numbers than guys like Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt did from that position, but it's still not going to reach the statistical standpoint of what Will Anderson is going to put up. So and, and that's what drives these awards, Curtis. That's, it's never who necessarily is the best player. It's who is the guy with the best stats that we can say is the best player because that's just what it comes down to. So, yeah, I think this is really bold. I'm going to go nine. I don't want to say Will Anderson's a shoe in to win this award, but, like, kind of, you know? I mean, he's the heavy, heavy favorite here. And I'd be uh, – right now I'd be rel- relatively surprised if he does not win this one. I hope I'm wrong. I hope Jalen wins it. But I just don't know if he can overcome the – the known factor that Will Anderson brings to the table and the fact that he's just going to put up better numbers and numbers drive these awards. All right, Curtis, let's go to this next one here. Wesley says that Brock Bowers is going to be a Heisman finalist. So we're sticking with the awards theme here. We're talking about Brock Bowers not winning, but being a finalist that gets a trip to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. How bold is that one? 
I'm going to go with an eight. And the only reason I say that is, you know, we've talked about it all off season, but the biggest thing is I still think he's going to be the game changer. He was last year, but I don't know if he'll have the stats um, with people like Arik and uh, Darnell Washington emerge, you know, reemerging and doing his thing. That's the only reason I think it's so I'm going to go so high. It's not that Brock Bowers, if he had the targets, couldn't do it, but it, I just right. don't know if he'll have the targets to rack up the stats to get there. Right. And that's, you know, we talked about that a little bit with our season preview. My my question here, I'm, I'm going to throw another one at you here, Curtis. This is a related one. So it's like bonus, a bonus prediction. What if I predicted that Brock Bowers will not lead Georgia in receiving? How bold would that be? I, I think that's like a two or three. I mean, with A.D. Mitchell emerging and any other Kiaris Jackson coming back for this year, I mean, you could easily see them having more yards, especially if, with Bowers having to share it with three other guys. Yeah, three other guys that tied in, maybe four if you throw in Oscar Delp. And the fact that he is, I mean, he was last year too. So, I mean, I, I don't know how much this factors into it, but he is going to be number one in the game plan for every defense coming, to the, coming into every week. Like, he's going to be the number one guy to stop. And last year, we still kind of forced, we've, we have forced the ball to him at times. And I will give Todd Munkin a ton of credit. This guy is just a fantastic play caller. He's a fantastic designer of plays and just, he structures the offense so well. And he finds ways to create matchups and get guys open. He did it all last season. So maybe that would not be as much of a factor, but you're right. There's just more guys to spread the ball around to this year, especially at his position. You got you mentioned A.D. Mitchell, Lad McConkey. Those guys are growing up, getting more mature, more experienced. Kiaris Jackson's back, fully healthy. Don Blaylock's come back healthy. Kenny McIntosh is a major threat on the backfield. There's just a lot of guys to spread the ball around to. I would lean towards saying that Brock, still is going to lead the team in receiving. I just don't think there's going to be as big of a gap. He almost doubled up our next closest receiver last year. He almost had twice as many yards as Jermaine Burton did. And I don't think it'll be that significant this year, but I still would say I'd lean towards him being our leading receiver because he's just that guy. And we've already seen he's a proven commodity. We know what we had there. But Heisman finalists, no. I, I think this is very bold. I would say nine on this one, Curtis. I just don't see. I love Brock Bowers. So he is more of a name guy. He's put up some stats last year. So he has that, that name value coming this season, which is – Almost a prerequisite. You almost have to be a guy that's on the radar in some way, shape, or form that people know. It's very rare that a guy comes out of absolutely nowhere and actually gets a trip to New York. It's not unprecedented, but it's just hard. So he's got that. But like you said, I mean, I just go back to it. I don't think he, I don't know if he'll put up the same numbers he put up last year. I just, I don't. I really don't know because they're just more guys that I think that we're going to work into the offense and spread the ball around more. So, I mean, he didn't even have a thousand yards last year, Curtis. If he doesn't have a thousand yards, there's no freaking way he has a chance. I mean, he's like to get to New York as a as a tight end. You're gonna ha- we're talking about twelve to fifteen hundred yards receiving. Curtis is Brock Bowers gonna put up those kind of numbers in this offense? No, because he like receivers have to do put up that much just to do yeah. it. So the tight end's gonna have to do almost more. Yeah, I mean, like Jordan Addison last year, Curtis, who won the Blitnikoff Award over twelve hundred yards receiving, did not get an invite. It wasn't even a conversation for an invite to to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. And I know Brock has a is more of a name guy coming into this year, but we're talking about you're going to have to put up well over 1,000 yards. And, guys, we still have only had one pass catcher in the history of Georgia football go for 1,000 yards in a single season, Terrence Edwards in 2002. We still only have had one. Now, I think Pickens might have done that last year, but he didn't. So, I mean, Brock's going to have to overcome some history to do that this year, and I just – I think that's highly unlikely. I hope I'm wrong, man. That'd be crazy awesome. But – I think that's extraordinarily bold. That's asking a lot. So I'm going to go nine there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. 
All right, Curtis, the next couple questions here. You're going to love this. This is for you, man. These are for you. Stetson Bennett is the topic for our next three questions. And let's start with Michael. Michael says that Stetson Bennett will throw for 4,000-plus yards in 2022. Curtis, how bold is that? I'm going to go with the seven, but here's my counter. I think that right now, we haven't. you may have talked about it, but right now our running back debt is a little bit of a concern. Sure. And if it ever got to a point where we may have to lean more on the past, maybe 70-30 or even 80-20, depending on that debt, it is possible. But um, I would still say I think Munkin, even in, in perfect world, would at most want to be 60-40 pass to run. And especially, I think the biggest thing that I think why it's so bold is losing Arian Smith unless T.J. Smith steps in. We don't have that big home run threat um, to take. The well, we didn't last year, Curtis. Well, you're talking about in terms of him throwing for four thousand. I get you. I get you. Yeah, in terms of throwing for four thousand, I think is because that's what you're gonna, you're going to have to hit some seventy, eighty yard throws or big chunk plays like which you would see with Alabama with like Jalen Waddle and people like that who could have a house at any one second or take it to the house at any one second. Um, and I think without that, you're not getting that many yards. So he threw for a little over twenty eight hundred yards last year. And he started, what, 13 games for us? 13 of the 15, is that right? I think that's right, right? He didn't start the Clemson game. He didn't start the, he didn't start the Vanderbilt game. Yeah, oh, no, right. I'm not saying that. He didn't start the South Carolina game either, right? Oh, yeah, so 12 so started, Yeah, so he started 12 of the 15. He threw for 2,800 yards. So I should have already done this math, but I'm an idiot and didn't. So let me do it real fast here for you guys. So 20, It's about 220 yards a game. Man, you're better at math than I am, dude. Yeah. Okay. So if you take that out, let's say two or twenty. You let's say he let's say we, we go to the national title game again, Curtis. Fifteen games. That's thirty three hundred yards. It's thirty three hundred yards. I don't know, man. I want to believe this. Well, and see, the think- thing is, the thing is, you also have like those sisters of the poor. Um, you know, well, he'll be lucky to throw from one to one fifty just because you get up on them. We take him out. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent, especially when you have like Beck and Brock battling so much. If they can, they're going to get him out. Yeah, and the stats in small, you don't want to take an unnecessary hit and you know him be knocked out. I mean, we saw that happen against Florida in twenty twenty. You don't want that to happen. So yeah, I and there are some like Samford. He might play like a he might he'll probably play the first half. Kent State, hopefully, he'll only play the first half in that game. Kent State's a, a, a solid MAC team. They were in the MAC title game last year. But yeah, I mean, he's Vanderbilt. He's going to play the first half probably. So yeah, I just, I don't, and, and the fact of that in with just our offense in general and how it's structured, it, that's asking a lot, man. And that, that's if we play 15 games this year. And if we don't, then it's, there's no way it happens. So I think this is really bold. I think we'll throw the ball maybe a little bit more this year with the weapons that we have um, at the pass catching positions, receiver and tight end. I think with Stetson now being more experienced and having an offseason to work with him and also kind of fit the system to, to his skill set a little bit more. I think that we will. I think he'll put up better numbers. I think he'll throw for more yards. But four thousand—that's a—that's a lot, man. That's a lot, just mathematically. I just don't know if we can, if he's going to get there. So I'm, I'm going to go with a nine on this one. I think that's really, really bold. I think that's bold. Um, on the same theme here, Curtis. Next one. This is from Michael. I'm sorry. This is from Mark. Appreciate it, Mark. Mark says that Stetson Bennett throws for forty or more touchdowns, more than half of which will go to our assortment of tight ends. How bold is that? Hmm. I, I don't know how many he had off the top of my head last year, but I'm going to say that's a, a eight once again. And I think just the – it's just hard to imagine 40 or more touchdowns, especially with 20 going to the tight ends. 29 touchdowns last year. Again, in 12 okay. games as a starter. And that was 12 games as a starter too. Um, I would see 30, uh, maybe mid 35 at the cap. I just don't see us. I think 35 is not – I think that's reasonable. I mean, that's not – that's, yeah, that's, that's progressive, but it's not crazy. Um, and I think the biggest reason is, especially – I mean, unless – the thing is we haven't seen them use the tight ends like they should have, be used in the red zone. Now, if that philosophy changed, then it's not outrageous. But I'm just not ready to to see them make that – or I'm not, not that I'm not ready to see it. I just don't envision them making that change um, in the red zone. Okay, let me ask you this. What's more likely to happen, Stetson throwing for 4,000 yards or throwing for 40-plus touchdowns? 40-plus touchdowns is more likely to happen, and that's, as I mentioned, if you start using it in the red zone, just kind of not trying to run the ball in as much as soon as you get in and then target the big tight ends, then you can make it happen quicker. 
Yeah, that's certainly the more likely outcome. I mean, I don't think either one are going to happen, but I think 40 touchdowns, you're right. You can throw a two-yard touchdown pass, you know, and, and only get two yards out, but you get, you get a touchdown. So, yeah, that's more likely to happen, but I don't think either one are likely to happen. So I'm going to go, if I win a nine with the 4,000 yards, I guess like an eight and a half for 40-plus touchdowns. I don't see either one happening, but I do think he'll put up better numbers this year. I mean, 29 touchdowns last year and 12 starts is not bad, but – yeah, 40 is that's that's aggressive. That's aggressive. I'm gonna go eight and a half on that one. And Curtis, our final question on Stetson Bennett, at least. This is from Miss Mavis the Couch Monster, who predicts that by the end of the year, Curtis will utter these words. I love Stetson Bennett. How bold, Curtis? Will it happen? Uh, I'm gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the nine. Um I I mean maybe even a ten, and I think the reason I'm gonna say it's that gonna be a ten. Well, I think the biggest reason, not going off my past history with him, was the fact that I, since we started the show, I don't think you can actually name a single player I've said I've loved. I, I That's what I was going to say. Like When I read this question when he, or this prediction when he said it, I was like, I don't think Curtis has ever said I love any one of our players. Do you not love our players, Curtis? I do, but I think when you're doing one of these shows, even though you're looking through the red and black glasses, you still have to be a little bit – honest with yourself and recognize the good and the bad with all these players. So it's hard, like as much as you want to just be, you know, everyone's wrong or everyone against us is wrong and we're right. You still, I feel like you have to at least be, I can't be that far on the show. And I appreciate the professionalism, my friend. I, I, I certainly appreciate that, but you can be critical of them at times and point out flaws and still love them. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're watching a game with me, you'll probably hear me say I love some players. But then I think once I'm out of the moment and thinking a little bit more clear-headed as we are, like when we do the show, I probably think a little bit more thoughtfully. I love all of our guys. I'll, I'll admit that. I mean, I do. And look, that doesn't mean I, I think they're perfect. They're not. And Stetson's not perfect. We we talked about that um a lot last year. But how do you, how can you not love the guy, Curtis? I mean, the story. I mean, this what this guy's overcome. Come on, you gotta love him. Come on, right? You I mean, I respect, I respect it. That's what. That's what. That's you respect it. Okay. Well, I love Stetson. You respect Stetson. Okay. I, I guess that's as far as we'll get right now. All right, we're gonna work on this though, Curtis. By the end of the year, I'm gonna get you to say I love Stetson Bennett. All right. Watch, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I think. I hope. Uh, all right. Moving on here. Got a couple more. You got Most has a prediction. Actually, the next couple predictions here. Next two are specific to the week one matchup against Oregon in Atlanta. And you got Moss is predicting that Jackson Meeks has two touchdowns against the Oregon Ducks in week one. Curtis, that's an interesting one. How bold is that? Bold wise, I'm going to go with a, a seven. And I think the biggest reason is that I just don't know as, as much as you're hearing about him coming into the fall. I just think that I just don't see him getting the targets um, realistically and opportunities to make the plays because I think he's second group right now, and I don't know what the philosophy is, but I've heard that they're going to try not to rotate as much, so I would think the targets and opportunities are going to go more towards Ladd, Kiaris, and A.D., and even Marcus Rosemead, Jack Saint, um, before I would Jackson Meeks. And then you also got to throw in all the tight ends. Yeah, 100%. Like The rotation thing, I'll believe it when I see it, that we're not, we're not going to rotate as much. I would love to believe that. I'll, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. That's where I'm at too. I don't believe they will. I don't believe they won't rotate until they. Yeah, we do, do have new receivers coach Curtis and Brian McLean yeah. coming in, so maybe that factors in. And maybe he's seen how it's, especially when he was at South Carolina and things. And when you were recruiting against Georgia, what did you? What you know? What was your pitch? How did you sell it? Well, then if he knows that and kind of has a better feel for it, then he knows what he needs to change. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I, he's well. He you're. Right, he's working with the twos right now. He's in the rotation, but what that rotation will look like, that remains to be seen. But he will be in the rotation. He will get playing time, and he'll play early. Will he play often? I don't know. We'll see. But he's going to play. He's had a, he had a good spring. He's had a good fall camp. Um, two touchdowns against Oregon. No, nah, man, that's not happening. Um, highly unlikely. I, sh- it, it, I can't say it's impossible, but you're right. I mean, there's other guys. You got your tight ends. You got AD. You got Ladd. I mean, these guys can get targets before Jackson Meeks is. Can he look up and have like two catches for 17 yards and they happen to both be touchdowns? Yeah. I mean, that happens. So it's not impossible. Uh, but man, working with the twos, not going to get as many opportunities as, as you said. A nine or eight and a half? Is that crazy? I mean, is that 
That no, I think him? that's fair. I, I, and like you said, he could have two catches for 17 yards and have two touchdowns. But I just I think that's more likely to see the tight ends be targeted heavily, especially in this first game, um, going more with the sure-handed people like A.D. Mitchell and Kiaris and Ladd in the first game. I agree. All right, this next one, Curtis, again, about the Oregon game. We'll talk more about this. Next week, we do our preview episode. We'll get into this in a lot more detail. But just get your quick thoughts here, Curtis. Uh, Carter is predicting that our backups will be in by the fourth quarter against Oregon. Now, Curtis, I've gone on record saying I think this game will be closer than the average Georgia fan expects. I don't know where you land on that, though. So how bold is it saying that our backups will be in against Oregon by the fourth quarter? I'm going to say a nine. I think it's extremely bold. And the reason I say that is I, I think it's going to be a good game, too. I think we may – like, I, I know I went that I think we'll win every game by double digits. Um, and I see us pulling away in the fourth quarter. But, I mean, as we saw last year with Clemson, we should have uh, – like, Clemson ended up – the more you we watch – We should be the holy hell of that team. Exactly. And then you see how it ended up, and it was a very close game, so it's hard to make that argument. And this, and this, my whole thing with this Oregon team, we are more talented. We have better players. I'm not arguing that point, but it's just the uncertainty of not knowing what their offense is going to look like. We have an idea, but Kenny Dillingham has been an office coordinator, but he's never called plays before. We don't know. We just don't know what it's going to look like. And that's really hard to prep for, especially trying to like a, a, a defense that's working with a lot of young players who have never really played any meaningful downs whatsoever. That, to me, is a little bit concerning. And and I know that maybe I'm being the, the crazy, anxiety-ridden Georgia fan. That's fine. I can own that. But I think these are legitimate concerns. And I just don't think enough people are talking about it. I would love to see our backups in by the start of the fourth quarter. That'd be incredible. I think we will win this game. I think we're going to win it relatively comfortably by the time it's all said and done. But Curtis, I think it's probably more like midway through the fourth quarter. Is that about right with you? Yeah. If it was to happen, I think it'd be midway through the fourth. And I think also Kirby, even if we were up wants to try to get these players stretched out um, in shape. So he's not going to be willing to pull them as early either. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, and I know we're the, we're in the minority. It's saying that this Oregon game is going to be closer than the 17, 18 point spread, but I'm just, I mean, talk about being professional, Curtis, trying to be honest and be objective. And that's just honestly how I feel right now. And we'll talk more about that next week, though. All right. Last one here, Curtis, get you out here on this one, my friend. UGA Lee Dogs is predicting. Now, this is a this is an epic one, Curtis. He says the dogs will need a 70 yard field goal from Jack Podlesny to beat Kentucky in Lexington at night to win the SEC East. He will make it ultimately setting the record for longest college field goal in history. All right, Kurt. Um, what do you make of that one? All right. So, so to, to so Jack Podlesny has to make a seventy-yard right, field gonna, goal, at, a buzzer, go I guess, to beat to beat Kentucky at night in Lexington. I'm going to go with a ten because the fact is, first off, you believe that Pod can hit a seventy-yarder when the guy that's is struggling right now to hit a thirty-yarder. So I think that, that's the, I'm should go with the ten because I have no faith in him right now until he proves me wrong that he can get this job done. And especially, Chris, I'm not even like convinced Jack Podlesny is going to be our starting field goal kicker. Exactly. So that's that's why I'm going to go to the 10. I don't, I'm not sure he'll be the kicker. And if he is, he sure as heck is not going to have the consistency or even the leg to get that one. Yeah, this is 100% a 10 for me. No doubt about this one. I'm rooting hard for Jackpot. He's done some good things for us. Heck, the kick against Cincinnati to win that game in the 2020 Peach Bowl, that was awesome, man. That was a huge, big-time kick. But last year, he was fine last year. He hit 81% of his field goals, which is good. That's all. That was about middle of the pack in the SEC last year. But he was struggling some with some of those longer kicks, especially earlier in the year. I think he became more solid for us down the stretch. Mason field goals in the national title game, obviously, that helped us win that game. But I started to get a little concerned back in the spring. I really didn't talk much about it on the show back then because I was kind of trying to put positive vibes out in the universe in this. But when I was told that the kicking competition between him and Jared Zirkle was actually wide open by some people I know back in the spring. That was concerning to me. I'm like, wait a minute, this guy's a two-year starter and he's battling for his job. And I know Kirby talks about competition, but but come on, right? That's strange. I know that Zirkle's a scholarship kicker. We, we put that guy on scholarship and he hasn't won the job yet, so maybe he's come on. I don't know. But that was... That was concerning to me. And then you go out there and you see G-Day that Zirkle is working with the one offense. And that, and I didn't know what to make of that because it's like, you know, there's mixing and matching there. So I didn't try to read too much into that. But then I've been told throughout fall camp that it's still very much a wide open battle. Well, the problem is Zirkle was making a move in the spring, but neither guy has really taken a hold of that job. And according to the people I know, and really, I mean, any report you read out there, 
the kicking game, especially the field goal kicking, has been borderline disastrous through the first two scrimmages of the, of the fall. I know I've talked about stopping the run with even numbers and, and pass rush is two of my big concerns this year. Honestly, now that I sit here and think about it and you bring it up, field goal kicking might be my number one concern this season because that can win you and lose you football games. Again, if we did not have pod, and this is, I mean, we're talking about Jack Lesney here. He's still on the team, but that was two years ago, back in 2020. If we didn't have him on the team making that field goal against Cincinnati, we'd lose to Cincinnati in the Peach Bowl. I know you guys don't particularly care about Mississippi State or Arkansas, but that's just a game that stands out in my mind from last year because Mississippi State beat the hell out of Arkansas up and down that field last year in Fayetteville, but they lost the game because they missed like four field goals. And then they went the like the day after that and held open tryouts on campus just to try to find somebody that could remotely put the ball through the uprights. They lost that game single-handedly because they did not have a field goal kicker. And that concerns me. We're talking about a potential national title team. And if we don't have the kicker that we trust, that is highly, highly concerning. So the idea that Jack Podlesny, first off, is going to make a 70-yard field goal, as you said, Curtis, that's not going to happen. He's not going to make a 70-yard field goal. So that in and of itself is incredibly bold. And then I just don't believe that we're going to be in that position in Lexington. I do think that's maybe the toughest game on our schedule considering circumstances and where it's being played. But I just don't see it coming down to that moment. Like having to kick a 70-yard field goal to win the game like Kevin Butler style. And I hate to say anything is impossible because I've seen the impossible become very possible in college football. It's one of the things that makes college football so incredible. But this one, I'm very, very close to saying is impossible. But all right, guys, that does it for stay here on the show. We will be back next week. We have a ton of great content for you guys next week because, oh, I don't know if you guys know, but next week is game week, baby. We will have our official season predictions episode for you guys on Monday. We're going to pick each and every team, their record, their over-under in the SEC, both the East and the West. And Obviously, we have a lot of conversation on, on our expectations for the Georgia Bulldogs. Can we go back-to-back? Can we win the SEC championship? We'll talk about that on Monday. Then we will have our official Oregon game preview episode in the middle of the week, and then we'll wrap things up with our week one picks of the week. We have a special new sponsor that we're going to be rolling out next week as well that we are very, very excited about that will factor heavily into our picks of the week this year. So a lot of fantastic content for you guys. I can't wait to get started this season, guys. I am freaking pumped up about it. I know you are too. So let's enjoy this last Georgia-less football weekend. I know we got some college football. I'm pumped up about that. But week one, baby, it cannot get here fast enough. Georgia football, guys, it's just around the corner. So enjoy this weekend. Have a great time. And we'll see you guys back here next week. And oh, yeah, as always, go dogs.